Hey, Grapes. How are you doing today? Yeah, that's what I thought you'd say. Hmm. It'd be funny if you could talk through the jar, though. I feel like... I mean, I feel like it'd be sort of muffled, but we'd make it work. <laughs> could you nod? I wonder if I can look really hard and tell if you move. Try nodding. Can you do that? Did you do it? Okay, well, I can't tell. You're just sort of sloshing around in there. Like some goo. Ooh, unless you didn't nod at all, which would make sense because you probably don't think I'm real. I don't know. Are you the type to nod when an imaginary person asks you to? I am. Like, I'm 22, but I'm pretty sure I'd still try to count with Dora the Explorer if she asked me nicely, you know? I don't want to disappoint Dora. Anyway, I'm on my break from work. I got sent to break because Surrender, um, well, Surrender had the demon, uh, kill somebody. And I got sort of upset about it, so she sent me to break. Oh, my days. J just a, there's a giant millipede. They had so many shoes on. I don't think any of them matched. I think they were eating falafel. Really delicately, too. I guess it would be easy to delicately eat falafel and read a newspaper while power walking if you had that many legs. It's weird because some people here sort of look like people and some of them look like... Sort of like what would happen if a radio station tried to broadcast canned cranberry sauce instead of music. That's the category I fall into. And then some people just look like huge plants or animals or mythical creatures. Or maybe it really was just a big centipede that died and went to hell. I learned that animals can go to hell because at work yesterday I was trying to talk to this lady and she... She really looked like a human person, you know? It was nice. So I was trying to ask her directions because I was running an errand for surrender and this lady just watched me ask and then tipped her head. And most people don't speak English here because this is the capital floor or like capital zone of hell. So it predates the English language and a lot of people here died before modern English even existed. So my Chinese is really bad, but I was trying Chinese. And she just kept tipping her head farther and farther to the left until she was almost bent upside down. And then somebody else came up and tapped my shoulder and told me she was a cat. And the lady grinned at me, and let me tell you, her smile never stopped, but I couldn't see her teeth. I don't think she had a tongue. I don't think she had a throat. She smiled, and it was just thousands and thousands of tiny fish wriggling. So, I guess cats can go to hell, which means cows must be able to go to hell, so that's how we get yogurt, I figure. Sinful cows. I don't know how we're milking them, really. They'd probably be made of flies and bones and flowers or something, you know? But I guess we are. Anyway, I'm on my break because I have those. Demons have a union, apparently, so we get union-sanctioned breaks. I mean, I don't really understand how breaks work here because time isn't real. I just sort of get 
vibes that Surrender needs me at work, so then I go back to work, but I don't know if that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And I haven't asked anyone because, like, social anxiety? You know, I was already an anxious person, but now all my peers have, like, 36 arms and a zillion eyes. I know I'm a demon too, and I have 17 eyes and horns and a bunch of teeth and no recognizable form from an earthly perspective, but like, you know, they're demons. It keeps, it keeps hitting me, Greeps. We're really in hell. I'm a demon, they're all demons, and I'm dead. Oh, grapes. Surrender. She had another demon kill somebody. And kill them. Kill them all the way dead. She... Well, they weren't even Surrender's demon because I'm her only demon. I'm not sure why, but it's just me. There was a human who was inconveniencing one of the other devils. She's the littlest one, and she's only like eight feet tall instead of sixteen. And her name's Embarrassment. Embarrassment has loads of demons who serve her, and she seems sort of sweet. She's the easiest to describe, because she sort of looks like a skeleton with little pebbles and grassy clumps of dirt hanging off of her. And she has this little crimson cape that sort of looks like Fates, and... <laughs> and she, uh, she always accessorizes. It's hard not to stare at her, or be a little mesmerized. She dresses like a cluttered antique store that's full of all of your high school obsessions. She has gudetamas and tamagotchis and seashell necklaces hanging from her ribs like pearls. Patched jeans, long socks, pulled over bone that say normal people scare me. Two different colored converse that have Doctor Who quotes and song lyrics and stars scribbled all over them. 70s, 80s, 90s, ancient foreign things that I don't recognize but must embarrass somebody. She's got a zillion stickers on her head one day, and the next she'll come in with a fez or an ancient war helmet. There's always so much on her, she looks like an embalmed pharaoh or the forest floor during fall. I don't know. Embarrassment just seems like she's having fun. She seems fascinated by the whole world and everyone in it. Anyway... A human was annoying embarrassment, and she didn't seem that cut up about it, honestly, but she left the Congress for a minute, and Surrender pulled aside one of her demons and ordered them to kill the human bothering embarrassment. And the demon said that embarrassment could stick up for herself. And Surrender said, of course she can stick up for herself. <laughs> Surrender, Surrender has this accent. And I can't tell where it's from, but it's not from anywhere on Earth because Surrender is a devil who has never lived on Earth. And she sounds like she's in an old movie or something. She sounds ridiculous, but she's very scary, so it kind of, it balances itself out, you know? So Surrender, with, with her accent and her booming voice, said, Of course she can stick up for herself. Or you could do me a favor and stick 7,000 forks into the human's various holes. And then she looked at me like, Simon, you were a human recently. People still have holes, right? Like 10? They have 10 holes, right? And then she didn't really wait for me to answer. And she looked back at the other demon like, It doesn't matter. They'll have thousands of holes after you're done with them. And then the demon was like, you don't have anything I need, surrender. Not this time. Not this time, spooky, right? It's intense. And surrender was like, of course not. 
but I have the name and address of your child and she needs things. Or are you not worried about her anymore? Your daughter is going to be 13 in the year 541, and you know what happened to that year? Istanbul was Constantinople until everyone in Constantinople died. I could keep her safe. I could keep her safe, and I could make her wealthy. I could bump the threads of fate around a little for you. And the demon just kind of looked at her. And then she agreed to go kill some human. And I try to be sort of professional, but I just... I just looked at Surrender and I was like, did you mean kill? Like, go to Earth and kill a person? And Surrender was like, well, they're certainly not going to live through 7,000 forks. And I just sort of stood there for a minute and stared at her and then stared at her feet and then stared at the wall behind her and... And I should have protested. I should have spoke up or done something, but I just... I froze. I just stood there. And then she was like, oh, you're worried I'm going to make you kill someone. I understand humans, which she doesn't. But she was like, don't worry about that whole murder thing. I know I have an explosively short fuse, and I'm dramatic, and I'm technically a universal human nightmare that's been personified by the sheer force of fear your species is constantly screaming into the universe. But I won't make you do anything you don't want to do. I can't, because your family doesn't really need anything, and they don't love you anyway. I think she just said that to be mean. Like, that's obviously not true. She was just being mean. Yeah. And then she said, it's okay because you don't love your family back as much as you say you do. Why don't you go to break? That'll make you feel better. Go break something for your union. And she was smiling the whole time with her pointy gold teeth and she has this crown and it covers her eyes so she's all pointy teeth and pointier crown and and I do care about my family I do a lot she was just she's just mean she's mean and she lies because she's a devil on the upside she seems to have forgotten how mad she was at me for the whole volunteering for fate thing or I can't tell if she's playing with me or if I don't matter at all and it's something she's forgotten about it's fine it doesn't matter. Let me tell you your story. Everyone at Mickey's school said there was a massive owl that lived on the school grounds. The owl was supposed to be truly huge, as big as a small house or a large car or an extra, extra large dining room table. Mickey started high school and heard the owl legend with the rest of the freshmen, but they knew it wasn't true. All high schools have rumors like that someone gets drunk or high or incredibly bored and suddenly there's a ghost or a mummy or a completely sane but buck-naked old woman who lives just left of the football field. So Mickey never worried about the owl, but they did worry about how no one really wanted to talk to them. Or look at them, even. High school was supposed to be a new start, but when they sat down in first period, it seemed like everybody was already friends with each other. They set their backpack down next to their chair and picked at the edge of their new schedule. It had only been five minutes, but everyone was talking like it had been five years. And then someone made a joke to Mickey, or maybe about Mickey? And the girls around them laughed, and they laughed too like they got the joke, but they didn't. They couldn't figure out if it was a joke they were supposed to laugh at too, or if they should be hurt. Mickey found they felt like that every day. They could never figure out why people laughed at them or how other people got everyone in the class to laugh when they made a joke. And when Mickey would try to make a joke about, say, how much they loved making spaghetti, 
No one would laugh. But when they tried to talk or explain something or answer a question, everyone would laugh at them, and it made them feel terrible. They would wake up every morning with a stomach ache, and at the end of every day they would hold on to each pine-scented second as they walked through the school parking lot and down through the woods between the school and their house. Then Mickey would go straight down to their room and feel generally lonely, but they would savor that too because loneliness was better than being laughed at every time they spoke and not knowing why people were laughing. They didn't tell a soul how tempted they were to drop out. They didn't tell a soul how miserable it all was, how it didn't feel like it mattered if it was miserable. Feeling sort of rusted up and lost their shine, the only thing left was achievement. Quirky kids were supposed to get good grades, so one night, Mickey grimly decided that they were going to do just that. Halfway through the year, it had become success at any cost. It didn't matter if they had to sacrifice every emotion, every second, every sliver of self they contained, because those things didn't matter at all compared to success. And success meant adult life, and college, and a car, and that meant not being in high school. That meant escape. Mickey worked so hard, but then they failed a math test. And then a history quiz. And then they got a D on an English paper they'd stayed up all night working on. At first, they worked so hard to get their grades back up, their hands started shaking at the beginning of tests, and their morning seasickness would linger throughout the day, but the harder they worked, the farther they slipped away from their goal. Eventually, they stopped turning things in altogether. They stopped getting up on time in the morning. It all felt huge and pointless and big enough to swallow them. If they weren't good at having friends and they weren't good at school, what was the point of even trying? They felt universally worthless. One night, at 2 a.m., they got so overwhelmed that they slapped their laptop closed, crawled out of bed, and climbed out their window dressed only in pajamas and socks. They walked to the woods between their neighborhood and their school. They took a deep breath, and then they laid down in the dirt and the moss and the pine needles. Mickey looked up at the infinite cosmos, framed gently by pine trees, and gave up. They failed. They tried so hard and they still failed at all of it. At everything they could fail at. The wind was cold, and the ground beneath them was cold, and they let the icy wetness in the dirt sink up into their pajamas and then into their skin. The wind got quieter, and quieter, and then the wind disappeared altogether, and there was an owl as big as a small house standing over them. She blinked at Mickey, and Mickey blinked at her. They couldn't move. They looked into her deep, dark eyes, and they knew with certainty that they were going to die. She blinked again, then sighed, You're sad. Mickey couldn't have spoken even if they'd wanted to. You little mice, you're always sad or drunk. She tisked her beak and looked them over. Well, get up, brush yourself off, she cooed. I don't want dirt on my meal. Terrified, Mickey got up. They brushed themselves off, and then they took a shuddering breath and squeaked, Please don't eat me. The owl laughed, and her stomach shook, and the feathers on it were patterned just like a door. With a window. You shouldn't have come into the woods, little mouse, if you weren't ready to be eaten. Mickey looked at her big wings, her eyes the size of clocks, claws the size of wheelbarrows, and they looked back at her belly shaped like a door. A door with a knob. They knew they couldn't outrun her, so they didn't try. They ran into her. Mickey slammed against her feathers, grabbed the little brown knob, yanked the door open, and threw themselves inside. It was a little room. There was a fire crackling on the hearth, warm and orange and alive. There was an overstuffed parlor chair, a red rug, 
wood walls. There were pictures of little owls on the mantel, sitting next to a lamp and a bookcase, and the whole room smelled like tobacco smoke and hot chocolate. The furniture shook and rocked with the room. Get out of my house, roared the owl. Then don't eat me. They could feel the owl stomping. I will get you out, and I will eat you. Mickey heard a whoosh and then fell to the floor. The owl was flying. I'll shake you out, splatter you against a rock, and devour you whole. Mickey looked at the door, worried it would fly open and drop them out. It had a latch. They ran over and did up the latch, then tested that it would keep the door shut. It did. I latched the door shut, they shouted. Drat! shrieked the owl. Mickey almost fell over again as the owl landed. The house swayed. They were in a tree, probably a very big tree if it could keep the owl up. Mickey sat down on the rug and listened to the wind outside whistle by. Why is your house inside you? They heard the owl huff. Home is where the heart is. But how do you get in? The owl cooed again, and they felt her adjust her wings. Why were you laying on the forest floor? She asked. Oh, that. I think I failed my math class. And also I have no friends, which I guess would be fine if I was smart, but I'm not. So you were laying in the forest? Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter much anymore, she cooed. I'm going to eat you, or you're going to starve while hiding from me. Couldn't you just not eat me? They asked. No, cooed the owl. You failed and laid your little bones on the forest floor, and becoming my dinner is the consequence of that decision. I don't deserve to be eaten, though. The owl laughed. That's not the point, little mouse. It's not about deserving or not deserving. Things simply are. Failure is as natural and common as my need for dinner. Both have to happen sometimes. That's smart. Mickey wrapped their arms around their knees. Do you only eat people? The owl cooed. I've always eaten people. But do you have to eat people? Have you, have you ever had spaghetti? They felt the owl ruffle her feathers. No. Do you want to try it? If you don't like it, you can still always eat me. I'm sort of a loser anyway, so I guess I wouldn't really mind. Hmm, thought the owl. And if you do like it, we could just talk. I could even cook spaghetti over the fire in here if you let me out to get the ingredients. That way someone could, uh, could be in your house. Use the fire since you can't get in. Hmm, said the owl. All right, but if this is a trick, I will break the windows of your school and eat everyone inside. Oh, deal, said Mickey. It wasn't a trick. Mickey made her spaghetti that night, and she liked it so much that they made her spaghetti the next week, and the week after, they woke up every morning trying to invent new types of garlic sauce. They would burn through school just to get to the woods after. And Mickey did fail their math class. And they didn't make any human friends for a long time. But they didn't drop out of high school. They did better the next semester, and the one after, and the one after that, and eventually, when Mickey graduated, they planted tomatoes and garlic in the woods. They stapled their spaghetti recipe to the biggest tree, and the owl never ate them. Hey, oh my days! Wait, what? Also, why were you telling a story to a mason jar? It's quite strange to do that. Oh, um, it has a person in it. See? Lucy gave it to me. Okay, that's slightly less strange than talking to an empty jar. What's the flyer about? Ah, my friend Salome is missing, 
And even though being missing is her prerogative, I'm giving out flyers anyway. Wait, like the Salome who had John the Baptist killed? I don't think she killed John the Baptist. Did she kill a different John? I don't know. She's nine, so if she killed someone, I feel like they deserve to be killed. Nine-year-old girls understand that type of thing. They understand whether or not to kill people? Yes, universally. And also they understand how to kill people. And she never talked about being alive on Earth, so maybe she killed a lot of Johns, or maybe none. I don't really care. The key takeaway is that if she did kill someone, I'm sure it would be justified. Oh, and she's missing. That's actually the important takeaway, really. We're both supposed to be in Lucy's court, but she vanished one day when she was standing right next to me, and I have not seen her since, and I do not appreciate that at all. She's nine and she's in Lucy's court? That means she's a demon, which... Someone sacrificed a nine-year-old to Satan? Yeah, Lucy's court is all us kiddos. I'm ten and a half. Oh. But time isn't real here, though. Yes, actually, it really is. Hell's time is different than Earth's time, but only for adult humans. They explained it to me. Time stays the same as it's always been for kids and weasels and the infinite baffling monsters that swim eternally at the bottom of hell. So you'll get to grow up? No. Disgusting. Absolutely not. The point is that I will never grow up, and that is excellent. What? Adults are ludicrous. No offense. Okay, you got me there. Hold up, you aren't a demon, you have a flower crown. I do! I don't have horns, or huge teeth, or braces on my huge teeth, so Lucy does my hair every day. So that I can strike fear into the hearts of my enemies, just like everybody else. Oh, well, you do have a lot of very long hair. I'm mostly hair. Sometimes embarrassment does my hair if I want to be more illustrious. Her house is great because the floor is made of clothes and you can't see the walls behind all her knickknacks, but you can always find the best coats and hats and costumes. Oh, and she's great at Halloween costumes. You guys have Halloween here? If you want to have Halloween, you have Halloween. Every day or never at all. You're new, right? You seem new. Is it that obvious? Yes. Your naivety is like a fireworks show. Well, at least you're honest. If you ever need a professional tour guide, I'm your gal. Okay, it was nice meeting you guys. Wait, what if I say Salome? What do I... do I call you? Don't be ludicrous. Just tell Salome that we're looking for her and she'll come back. She'll just... come back? Lucy said it's her prerogative. Oh, remember, you're prettier than God what? and twice as hard to kill. Bye! What? She'll just... come back? Where would a kid vanish to? In hell. And who sacrifices a nine-year-old to the devil? I mean, I brought my silly jar to work because I dropped it on the floor and then got worried something could happen to it despite the fact that we're already both dead. And then there's people who sacrifice nine-year-olds to the devil. Yeah. That kid wasn't a demon though, at least. I don't know why or how she's in Lucy's court if she's just a dead human, but... Whatever, I guess. At least she seems happy-ish. I guess you couldn't see her. She looked sort of human. She, well, she was mostly hair and denim jumper and like 500 breaths and a flower crown instead of horns. At least she wasn't secretly a cat with thousands of fish instead of teeth or a millipede or killing people. Gotta look on the bright side. Shoot, my, uh, my break is over. Have good dreams, okay? I'll see you later.